Hello, ladies and gentlemen of podcast land, and welcome to episode B041 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. <laughs> I am Ponkin, and Ugh. I am joined in the studio today by an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> I am joined today, in fact, by Flapjack. Hello, Jack. Uh, hey, it's good to be back. Good Hello. to be back. Yeah. It, it has been uh, well over a year, I would say. Well, the last time you were on the show was the class spin-off recording, I think. The, oh, man. Wasn't do you, it? Do you remember that? Did you make it to the end of class? What, of the show? Yeah, of the show class. <laughs> no. no, nor did I. <laughs> Absolutely I not. made it to episode. Uh, four, I believe. Oh, I may have made it to four as well. Before deciding that BBC Three would never let this go on. <laughs> <laughs> you decided. A- a- okay. Absolutely turgid. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> it really was. Before that episode, the last time that you were on the show was for a different Christmas special. It yeah, was that's right. last Christmas, which was the first Christmas special by Capaldi, yes. or with Capaldi. And- Where he's dressed as a magician. Is he? Yeah, he's dressed as a magician, and uh, they do the whole alien thing. Yes, exactly. I don't remember the magician thing, but I do remember... Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Re- he references it himself. He's, oh, uh, okay. He's like in full magician's get-up. Full magician regalia. Yeah, that's right. Wonderful. The episode that we're here to discuss today is yet another Christmas special, and it is, in fact, his last Christmas special. Mm, so, good. isn't that wonderful? In a way, we're bookending it. I remember when we announced that Peter Capaldi was going to become the Doctor. I know. Yeah. Yeah, we made a whole night of it. Absolutely absurd. Do you remember how excited we were? We were crazy excited. I had no idea who Peter Capaldi was. <laughs> oh yeah, I made you watch the thick of it after that. I say I made you, you wanted to watch I wanted it. to, and I watched it several times after that. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. But at the time of his announcement, yeah, when he was announced as the next doctor, I was just like, who's this guy? So, um, just as a quick summary, yeah. I mean, compared to then, to now, yeah. how do you feel it went? <laughs> Just really prob- quickly, maybe summarise several years of Peter Capaldi as the well, Doctor. Th- this is probably only our like fourth podcast since then. I mean, <laughs> how do you feel this time has been? Would you would you like to appraise the period? <laughs> it's gone really well. Buster, because at some point we will probably, probably at some point soon, in fact, we're going to have to have some sort of Peter Capaldi retrospective episode. Absolutely. So, so I, I, I'm going I'm to save myself until then. In general, I've come to really, really like Peter Capaldi, though, I will say. You say come to. I mean, we were really excited when yeah, he became I, I've the Doctor. Come to. I, I have liked him pretty much from the get-go. Yeah, me too. Mainly because I wanted, and I think you wanted as well, so you wanted the curmudgeon old man back. I wanted a desexualization of the doctor a desexualization and also you want the doctor to be a little bit of a prick i wanted him to be grumpier than he was actually i wanted him to be even a, grumpier? A, as grumpy as the first doctor okay which which uh, is what he... I, think, I think it was a really good comparison i loved what they did we yeah. will get on to that yeah we but... will get on to that in fact we this is not the but the i do miss that. I, miss, I miss that guy what wait capaldi the, or hartnell no the grumpy doctor oh i see yeah. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to say that it's purely Hartnell. I mean, no. I, mi- I miss the Grumpy Doctor. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get the Grumpy Doctor much with uh, the 13th. Uh, we've had two words. I mean, that that's oh, all, all, all we're basing all oh, of our brilliant. suppositions on. Oh, it's brilliant. two words we've heard from Oh, from brilliant. <laughs> Why don't we? I, I, I think we wrap in a, in up a, this episode by talking about Whitaker and like that first impression of Whitaker because that yeah, does sure. probably happen at the end of this episode. Yeah, but sorry, I did cut you off there. What were you going to say? No, uh, did you catch a northern accent? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I'm not against that per se. No, not at all. It, it was unexpected. 
It's right. a little bit. Un- yeah, yeah, I honestly didn't expect it. I actually, Did you watch Broadchurch? Oh shit, uh, we're going to have to jump into Broadchurch a little bit. Th- the first time I heard her speak, I didn't understand what she'd said. God, <laughs> quite honestly, was that English? Is she speaking Gallifreyan? So, uh, Amid, <laughs> I would have loved that. Can you imagine if the I, whole thing was in Gallifreyan? An interview with <laughs> with Jodie Whittaker and she speaks Gallifreyan. <laughs> it's method acting, you know. <laughs> I, I think it was the unexpectedness of it. You know, when you uh, dip into a bag of crisps and yeah. say you think you're going for a salt and vinegar crisp and it turns out to be cheese and onion. I think it was just, Happens it, to it was all just of us. that. I mean, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Lands, if that is not a relatable anecdote, then I don't I'm, know I'm, what I'm is. I'm bringing it right down. Well, you remember when walkers <laughs> change the colour of the bag? You probably don't. Actually. No. <laughs> so, God damn so it. The, Can they, we get back to the subject at hand? Do you remember sure. me saying that I want to keep this nice and tight because I have to edit this tomorrow? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. I'm rather <laughs> selfish in that way. God damn it. This this episode may be delayed because Th- of this. This is the joy of podcasting, though. Okay. For me, not for you. <laughs> you don't do post. I think that we jump into this episode. And we, okay. Because there's a little bit to discuss there. <laughs> and then after that, maybe it'll branch out into slightly more philosophical topics. But something that we've been doing, not just recently, for a while, as you'll know as an avid listener of Who Back When, Jack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weekly or monthly or whenever you do it. I mean, I don't. Weekly, that's right. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> is to start off with a question about the episode uh, that we're discussing. And I have a question for you. Mm. Do you think that the brandy paradox could potentially destroy the whole of the space-time continuum. <laughs> okay, you state it as a paradox. Yeah. Uh, why is it a paradox? Okay, so, right, here's what I'm thinking. Hmm. He drinks, or he offers, the doctor yeah. offers, oh, wh- whichever one you choose, I, I offers brandy in the future to uh, Mark Gattis. It's like, hmm. here, Mark Gattis, have some brandy. Yeah. Then, quote-unquote, they travel back in time, in that they are in an early iteration of the same TARDIS, an earlier iteration of the same brandy comes out, he offers him brandy. The odds of Mark Gattis having no identical brandy particles, <laughs> slim to none, right? Right. So it's possible that Mark Gattis had the same brandy twice. Ah. <laughs> I thought you were going a different place with this paradox. Okay, carry on. Go for well, it. Where I thought you were going to go with it, um, if... <laughs> The first doctor yeah. gave brandy to Mark Gattis. Yeah. And he is commenting that the brandy levels have gone down. Yeah. Then 1,500 years later, when Capaldi takes out the same brandy, why is that brandy still there for him to give it? No, but isn't that the joke? Doesn't the first doctor go, doesn't Hart, Faux Hartnell, doesn't he go, oh, so that's where it went, in that, oh, now I get it. Well, no, I'm what? I'm here now offering brandy to this soldier. Well, what happens is Capaldi says that he might have slipped a glass mm. in the last 1,500 years. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, if the first doctor already gave the brandy over, would the the brandy not have already been diminished but, by Hartnell giving it. That's why you're in a time paradox. Yeah, but it, it, there is less brandy in the bottle, in the carafe, rather. Than Hartnell is expecting. Wait, what? No, yeah, in the future, th- there's... Oh, shit. All right, here we We're go. We're wrapping ourselves the, up in there is here. There is less brandy in the carafe in Capaldi's TARDIS than yes. there is in the carafe in Hartnell's TARDIS. Yes. Meaning, between Hartnell and Capaldi, brandy was dispensed. Yes. And Hartnell, in fact, for Hartnell, in fact, dispenses some brandy to Mark Gattis. Yeah. Hence, it goes down. Then Capaldi has another sip, 1,500 years pass, 
And then Hartnell, Phil Hartnell whips out the craft again and goes, what the fuck, man? What is this? <laughs> All right. So let's take this in extremis. Okay. Let's say... That- there will be more things discussed in this episode, I promise. Okay. Let's say... <laughs> That Hartnell had given over all of the brandy yeah. to Gattis in that one instant. Yeah. Does that mean that Capaldi never had any brandy in the closet at all? Correct. That, that's the question I'm Correct. asking. Unless at some point he... And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that Capaldi or any, indeed any other doctor between, you know, starting with two and ending with 11, yeah. replenished the carafe. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is implied that they didn't replenish the carafe. That's that's right. That's right. So if Hartnell had completely emptied the thing, not only would that mean that Capaldi had at some point replenished the carafe, I cannot believe we're having this conversation, it would also mean that Mark Gattis would be off his face. <laughs> All right, let's carry on, shall we? No, I'm enjoying it right here. <laughs> this is the sweet spot. <laughs> Like interdimensional loops of brandy. I, I think that's where this podcast should end up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump into a sound bites just for funsies. This is two minutes and 30 seconds in, and we both reacted to this because we fast forwarded through the episode before pressing record. The sound bite is. Your face. It's all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it's just a lovely little sleight of hand, isn't it? <laughs> In the, Your in the, face, it's all over the place. In Hence the sense explaining why you look don't, very little like William Hartnell. Do you think he looks very little like him? I think he looks a lot like maybe. Uh, that's I think the, I think they did quite a good job. They did like given that uh, David Bradley is a known actor. Yeah, I, I think they did a very good job of disguising him as Hartnell. He, all, I feel like he also had some kind of prosthetic on his face, like just they, I don't know ladled they some silicone on him his... slightly. Yeah, or something. Like, they put some silicone on him or something. He's quite a haggard old man already. He is, yeah. I mean, he has played Hartnell before. He played Hartnell and, consequently, the oh, first yeah, Doctor in An Adventure in Space and Time. And I think that kind of makes him perfect for the role. It's quite nice to have him return to that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't good in the role and that he wasn't the right choice. He looks, he looks great. And he acts very much like Hartnell. I think he does a spiffing job. He looks... I haven't seen the other actor who... As in, I haven't seen him act. The other guy who plays Hartnell. smoother than Hartnell. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the... the He's a he's a more um, he's a more modern actor. I think that is the difference. I think I think Hartnell, like you're looking at sixties television, it's quite theatrical. And that is the difference between all television in the sixties. Do you know what I was missing? What? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going over there? That's not a good idea. Hmm? Hmm. Is that nice? Hmm? <laughs> the classic Hartnell. Hmm. I was missing that. But I think I think the reason for your face is all over the place was a little sleight of hand to say yeah, you, you, you don't, don't look hundred percent exactly the same. Yeah. But come on, guys, we're approaching Hartnell, right? We recently encountered Hartnell on uh, Who Back When. He was yeah. he reprised the role of the um, the first Doctor in the Three Doctors, which is a Pertwee. Well, it's a Pertwee Troughton and Hartnell adventure, and it was his very last appearance on TV in general. Yeah, because he died pretty soon. Shortly after thereafter, that, right? yeah. But no, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm super pleased to have. My biggest fear, and I think I said this on the show a couple of episodes ago as well, my biggest fear was that they would have Bradley reenact scenes from Hotnell. Like, they would go to the web planet, and we would see a scene from the web planet, but with 
Bradley instead of Hartnell. I yes. didn't want to see that because that would feel like a slap in the face of Hartnell. Well, they splintered it, didn't they? They splintered it, and I think they actually did a very nice job of it. Yeah, like it was, it was a class act. But did it make sense? Which brings us on probably to the next point. <laughs> it uh, did not make sense, but well, no, carry on. Like, take us into this point. Well, uh, we're just following on from where we were. Yeah. So we're taken out of the episode in 1964, I want to say. Uh, no, it's like 66, maybe, 67, okay. something like that. All right, so we're, take- planet, anyway. we're taken out of the 60s episode Yeah. into a moment of time which previously didn't exist Correct. and has now magically appeared so that both of them meet at this same time. And in the 60s episode, we're not given any indication that Hartnell doesn't want to regenerate. Correct. And suddenly he does. Correct. And suddenly he's meeting with the 12th Doctor. Also correct. There are more problems with this as well. There are more. I mean, go on. (laughs) Okay, so we discussed this before as well, before pressing record. Why is this new to Capaldi? Why doesn't Capaldi remember having met himself in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing with these kind of situations in Doctor Who is you can always change time. Time can be rewritten, uh, and it is possible to change things in the past. Correct. But the problem for me is that there's been no intervention to make the past change. So if time is a linear construct... It's not so much linear, it's more wibbly-wobbly. A ball of stuff, I believe. So is the implication here that because the 12th Doctor decided that he didn't want to regenerate in the same way that the first Doctor uh, didn't. There was a coming together at that point because some time energy made them collide. Wait, are you saying that the first Doctor went went to the same place? They both went to the South Pole and they both decided they didn't want to regenerate. Yes. So there was some sort of natural reaction that took place because two Doctors in two separate times decided that they both didn't want to regenerate at one time, and that caused a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey mess. Wait, hang on. Just to clarify, are you suggesting that... Because we already, we already know some... in the episode that this is what then caused the time-space-whatever issue yeah. of... Uh, what are they called? Oh. Ugh, glass monsters? Yeah, glass monsters. Glass monsters. <laughs> They're more sort of like glass receptacles. Yeah. You know, like glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Although, to be fair, glasses are not glass receptacles, are they? (laughs) They're more water receptacles. (laughs) We're we're going going way off here. Mind blown. (laughs) So wait, hang on. So just to clarify, in the episode, it is also said that the fact that both of them wanted to effectively commit suicide at the same time and thus... Creating the risk of a paradox, but not actually creating a paradox. I guess. That is what caused the glass monsters, glasses, whatever, to go, oh, shit, wrong time. And intervene. Yeah. But were you just now suggesting that the fact that the 12th Doctor was in the South Pole wanting to commit suicide or wanting to die, that that is what led the first Doctor to go, ah, I don't want to live anymore either. What I'm suggesting is that the 12th Doctor's actions are what caused the rift. Because in um, the original series, the first Doctor doesn't experience this. It doesn't happen to him the first time around. It happens to him only on the second time around after the 12th Doctor has also decided he does not want to regenerate. Okay. Applying Bill and Ted logic, I'm... (laughs) Always. (laughs) Day to day. I would say the 12th Doctor was always there. 
when we were watching the Tenth Planet, the Twelfth Doctor was there. We just didn't see him because he goes back in time. It's not like I mean, well, on the basis that all time is existing always. Well, on the basis that that time and that place will always be there and then. Well, that's true. And it's not just Bill and Ted logic. It's also who logic. logic. It's who logic as yeah. well. I yeah, mean, like true. the whole Trenzalore thing. It was all based on the fact that somebody's grave is always out always there, there at all yes. times. Exactly. Yes, So exactly. you are always able to go to that place. Yeah. So what the fuck? Like, what happened? <laughs> like, what, what changed in Hartnell's universe that made this split scene occur? Okay, here's another thing that bothers me. God damn it. You know what? I came, I sat down on this sofa thinking, I really love this episode. I really love this episode I still too. love this episode. I still love it. But we're going to talk me, at least, down a peg, and I don't want that. <laughs> so, okay, so here's something that bothers me. There is never a paradox. If we had seen Hartnell blow his brains out, <laughs> then I would understand why glass monsters go, oh shit, we sent Mark Gators to the wrong time. <laughs> but since... <laughs> He hadn't yet blown his brains out, and indeed never does. Why do the glass monsters go, oh, Gattis, <laughs> wrong time? I mean, as we have discussed, why do the two doctors coming together in this way yeah. cause this one man <laughs> at this one time <laughs> to be stopped by glass monsters? It, it's really difficult to understand. It could, presumably, that could happen to anyone at any one moment. I mean, why is it... But what are the odds of that person not only being played by Mark Gattis, <laughs> but also... Pretty unlikely. But also being... Ne- nearly shot by Toby Whitehouse. And he is also... Yeah, and he's also Bagel's dad. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, what do you know? I yeah. Mean, I mean, what are, what, the, what small are the chances? What a small world. Actually, yeah, let's talk about to- uh, Toby Whitehouse. So... <laughs> I didn't realize this until we were... So we didn't even re-watch it properly. Let's say this first. So before pressing record on this, you said, come on, I've only seen it twice. You've only seen this episode twice. Let's watch it together a third time. We start watching it <laughs> a third times. time. Yeah. <laughs> and then we agree, let's fast forward through this. Yeah. <laughs> and press fast forward. We like... There are a few quips bouncing back and forth between us. We look back at the TV, episode over. Yeah. And there are we really were, very few scenes. We were this. both baffled at how little happens in this episode. <laughs> it felt much longer. Yeah. There are lots of... It's emo- an hour long episode, right? There are a lot of um, emotional exchanges that yes, go that's on true. in this episode, which we obviously fast-forwarded straight through. <laughs> yeah, we did. I was like, everybody's sad, everybody's <laughs> happy. Okay, fine, fine. But there's actually not that much get happening. Get to the but- shooting, get to the football. <laughs> <laughs> this was written by... Moff, right? Yeah, yeah, it's his last episode. It is his very last episode I mean, this as showrunner and as writer. As we discussed before pressing record, this yeah. was a massive send-off for all concerned. For everyone. For absolutely everyone. Yeah. Including the non-German man. <laughs> who is played by Toby Woodhouse, who yeah. we have encountered on Who Back When before, because he is the writer of, of many an episode of Doctor Who, yeah. including the very recently reviewed Vampires of Venice, which includes neither vampires nor Venice. <laughs> it is set in Venice, at least. <laughs> there are no vampires in it. There's like zero water in it. No, there's some... Uh, let's not go off yeah, on that topic. We're not there, there is water in that Yeah, episode. listen to our Vampires of Venice re- sure. review. It's good. <laughs> it's good fun. But yeah, so Toby Woodhouse plays the clearly not a German soldier, and it really ticks me off a little. I mean, you know how Tarantino's really good at getting actors who speak the respective language to yeah. act in the respective roles? Yeah, it seems easy, doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like there were other roles Toby Woodhouse could have played in this one. Yeah. Woodhouse could have... He could have been the dude who kicks the ball. 
What starts the game? Yeah, or saves the penalty. He could. Windhouse could have been the guy who starts singing "Holy Night" on the English side. Ah, uh, yeah, that would have been nice. Beautiful. Somebody had to play the German though. Yeah. Uh, a, suggestion. A, a, a German. A German. <laughs> <laughs> suggestion from left field. A German. Get a German to play the German. It didn't annoy me quite as much as it annoyed you. It annoyed me Hence, like hell. I, well, I don't speak German. Well. So it, uh, it, it didn't... Neither jar- it, does Toby Whithouse. No, it didn't jar with me quite as much as it jarred with you. Okay. I actually thought it was perfectly acceptable. What I still don't understand, let's get back to the topic. Okay. Why, <laughs> why has time stopped oh, ju- just in that moment for that man? Because he's about to die. Mark Gatiss. Loads of people are is, about to die. By the way, is it, is it Gattis or Gatiss? In- I would say Gattis. I might, always, I might be wrong. I think I've always said Gatiss, but I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't matter too much. So, well, yeah, because he is about to die. Isn't that what they're called? What a testimony. That's what they're called. Testimony. But yeah. loads of people are always about to die in every instance of time ever. Yeah, constantly freezing So why this, why this guy? Is it the Leftbridge Stewart connection? I can't really see why, no. that, why that would... Well, they pick everyone, right? So, so the glass monsters, they go and they they have a glass replica of everyone. 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 So one person dies once. Yeah. What makes that special and why would they be pulled through some sort of weird time loop? It makes It isn't special in any way. They've The glass monsters have just gone like, you know what? We're going to have a copy of everyone. That's it. We yeah, want a no, copy no, of everyone I, I, as they I die. Know, I know that the glass monsters are saying that. So presumably they, they will have gone to Toby Whithouse's non-German chap exactly. at some point later on. 14 years later. It's like, oh, man, it was terrible being in the war. I had to shoot Marcatus. <laughs> and then he, he chokes on his dinner. Yeah, And absolutely. then time freezes. A glass monster shows up and goes, what? What sucks to be you? Make a copy now. Screw die. that! You don't even need to go into the future. You have people all around in trenches, dying by the dozen. Yeah, and anybody. they freeze time and you take can, all of them as you well. You can pick anybody. They take everyone, don't they? They take everyone. Are they not making a copy of every single yes. person? Yeah. It, yeah, they make a copy of every single person. What I'm saying is, why him? Why would it be him that time stops? For oh, him and he steps through a time portal. Oh. Dude, it could, it could be any. It could be anyone ever. <laughs> I see what you're saying now. That could possibly have done that. Yeah, you're right. So, coincidence. Well, uh, Wouldn't it have been it great? It doesn't seem that much of a coincidence. Imagine if <laughs> they meet up, they're like, I'm the doctor. No, I'm the doctor. And then all of a sudden, snowflakes freeze and Toby Whithouse's non-German guy comes in and goes, I don't speak English. Nor German. <laughs> we didn't have to put up with him Take for forty me. minutes. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. It would have made it would have made more sense. <laughs> okay, I've got another question for you. Sure. This is also a Mark Gatiss thing. Or Gattis. We should really find out the answer to we that. We should. Yeah. Mark Gatiss or Gattis, if you're listening. Let well, us know. I mean uh, I suppose. If only, someone out there knows only- him. Yeah, only he can answer that question yeah. for certain. But if someone knows him, then, you know, put us in touch. David Bowie? Bowie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think he's answers listening. on a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> At 10 minutes and 36 seconds into this episode, Mark Gatiss holds Very up... specific. He holds up a VHS tape. And he goes, what's this? Yeah. What's that VHS tape? What is the significance of that? That's a great question. I feel like there's, there must be something clever associated with that. Like, either it's from a prior Doctor Who episode, 
or it's an in-joke of the production team or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't find I, it in the I trivia did, section of IMDb. I did see that. Um, I'm trying to think of a possible explanation. Right, so we just Google it. No solution. No, absolutely <laughs> nothing. I mean, as I said to you, I think it might just be um, time debris. I think I think it might just be, well, the, a bunch of stuff has happened between 1966 and now, one of which was VHS tapes. <laughs> That's true. Lots of other things have happened, though, and he has been all over the place. It seems like this must be an in-joke for the production crew, because otherwise it seems almost more likely for Mark Gatiss or Gattis to pick up some alien thingy. Yeah, know? that would make more sense. Right? But, but no. Or but- something from the time of this episode's production. You know, something more 2017. That's, oh, actually, I thought... It's you like, what is this something, DVD? Something from the 60s. Or from the 60s, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, would have but made perfect sense. Would have made more sense than a VHS tape. But yeah, no, it must be an in-joke. Yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so one of the things uh, I had noted... <laughs> okay. One of the things I had noted uh, was the comment of, it is protected. Oh. So uh, the doctor says to the glass monster yeah uh this is earth it's a level five planet and it is protected yes he he adds on top of the first doctor's commentary (laughs) (laughs) protected by whom (laughs) by the doctor yeah but that is the first doctor's question protected by whom yeah (laughs) (laughs) like what is this god complex you've developed what are you talking about (laughs) it is pure coincidence that i always pick up human friends but i I think it's uh i think it's quite nice of the writers to acknowledge i agree the the changes that have taken place between the doctors because they are not the same person in, in any way the first doctor is just a wanderer yeah and a we're, bumbly we're, Mr. Magoo. And he has no altruistic outlook at all. Not really, no. It's almost as though he is now inspired by Capaldi to become a more altruistic. Yes. At the end of the episode, I mean. Well, I think, in a sense, he's helping himself, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Which is why he does it, I guess. Do you think so? Yeah, because it is useful to himself, his latest, Wait, hang on. his future self. Wait, What? Wait, who's helping... Wait, hang on, shit. So the first Doctor decides that he's going to help the Twelfth Doctor. And he only does so because it is useful for himself in the future. Oh, I see. He's not doing it for the benefit of anyone or anything. No, that's probably true. Yeah, so in I think they've captured the spirit very well. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Which is quite nice. Another difference between them is actually in my next note. I've written, I love the deliberate sexism of the first dog. Yeah. And that's another difference that they really hammer home. Yeah. And it's hilarious. I mean, Capaldi's so often pointing out, like, you can't, you have to stop saying stuff like that. They make it a lot more noticeable than it actually is when you watch the 60s episodes. Really? Yeah. You and I pointed out a lot of instances of sexism. I suppose so. Nick and I pointed out a lot of instances of sexism. Yeah, the, I suppose. We get a jolly good smack bottom again. If I hear any more language like that from you, young lady, you're in for a jolly good smack bottom. I mean, that's an actual quote from an actual serial. I believe he says that to Susan. What you need is a jolly good smack bottom. Yeah, he says it to his own granddaughter. Yeah, which is appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I think it's more appropriate to say it to your granddaughter than it is to a person you have only just met. Only just met and who is an adult. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) I was concerned for a moment he was going to make it racial. 
<laughs> I re- I was I was concerned. Did you think so? Yeah, I was I was really pleased he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think it would have taken a very different tone. I think oh, it, he would have he he would never have been able to come back from that. I think it's quite funny that we are able to come back from it. Because the first Doctor in this representation of him, yeah. he's quite a lovable character, I think. Yeah, he is. I think we all enjoy this guy and we can all get along with well, this William guy. Well, William Hartnell's first Doctor was also a great guy, despite being a sexist, a bit of a racist, and despite killing a human being by throwing him out of the window well, in front I, of a child. I don't recall him being a racist. Uh, I, ca- I can't recall any instances of racism. Oh, no, that's true. The show was a bit racist, but he wasn't specifically racist. No, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I don't. No, no, you're right. You're right. He does kill but, a guy in front of a child, though. But, yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is <laughs> it, 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 it's funny how, the Romans. how he's acceptable to us. Yes. And we just we just let it all slide. Yeah. With a, a wink and a nod. I mean, it's a bit like the 70s and 80s in the BBC. <laughs> how appropriate, then. Where anything really goes, doesn't it? It's okay for Hartnell to be sexist. Well, it was symptomatic of the 60s at the BBC and in the world in general. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, as a modern-day observer, he's still imminently lovable. Yeah. Even in this sexist role. But is he not also possibly lovable because we even on screen at the same time get evidence of the fact that he matures out of that? I suppose. Like, he's not always going to be a sexist. He will grow out of that. And in fact, he tells himself, stop being like that. Yeah, I suppose (laughs) telling oneself off is really the best you can do. I think so. I mean, in a a sense, you can get away with a lot of things as long as you don't keep them up forever. Yeah. Both of us probably did lots of stupid shit when we were kids, for example, but we are no longer kids and we are hopefully not doing all of the same stupid shit. So therefore, in a way, it's like, it's excusable. And Hartnell's doctor, the first doctor, Bradley's Hartnell's first doctor, is by comparison... Not a kid, but it's the like the early stages of the Doctor. I suppose. Right, so in a way he gets away with it. Yeah. But I think it, it's also quite interesting how we're all acceptant that this guy is a Time Lord, and therefore, you know, he's been around for a very long time. Yeah. You know, he's over, he's over a thousand years old. Yeah. Well, 1,500 years old, yeah. But at this age, we're acceptant that he is quite bigoted. Because we contextualise him into the 60s. So yes, that's true. this Time Lord, who can go to any time, <laughs> we contextualise all of his comments into, oh, that's just how they thought in the 60s. So we're kind of viewing him as a 60s TV character and as the Doctor but at in, the same time. Yes, but in a way, there, there is that element of breaking the fourth wall in this particular episode. Yeah. So in the... In the well, they do it immediately, in fact. Exactly. So 709 episodes, episodes ago. Episodes ago. It is, that's what I was going to get to. Like, it is blatantly, this is a TV show that you're watching, and so and so many episodes ago, this is how we portrayed him here at the BBC. And Doctor Who is as an institution, sorry, Doctor Who is an institution, and everyone knows where it comes from and what it is and who does it and and who's been in the role and so on. And everyone knows that the BBC, just like most other channels or, you know, broadcasting services, is also a product of its time. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And in yeah, fact, so I think it was hilarious every single time it came up. Yeah. Like, oh, it, it Polly's fun. clearly not around anymore because <laughs> there's dust everywhere. Yeah, that, that was good. It's <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did Polly do very much cleaning? 
Not that I remember. I, remember. I can't remember. I remember her making a lot of tea for people. Yeah, I mean, I guess. And it was just like, oh. It is quite, that is quite this servile. Is a, this is a really difficult situation we're having here, men. Polly, make us some tea. That I, get, sort of I guess it's just an assumption that in between episodes she was tidying up. They were, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They were on the moon and she was making tea for people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know how the TARDIS goes on forever, yeah? Yes. So how was Polly getting round to all of that? <laughs> Was she just cleaning the flight deck, or did she have to go into the swimming pool? Well, maybe there's just not that much... Yes, we knew that the TARDIS was bigger on the inside back then as well, but do you remember ever thinking, actually, the TARDIS has way more rooms than this, back when we were watching the first few episodes of Hot Knot? No, I actually don't. I remember thinking, like, well, I mean, it's sort of... It's roughly the size of a house in there. Uh, It's not, you know... Infinite Stadia. It is a no, house. No. But in fact, in Edge of Discretion, we get to see their bedroom, and they all have the same. Like there are just these diagonal things that they sleep on. Edge of Discretion. Discretion. I believe. Discretion. I believe that's. I believe that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> they. I mean, they both. They sleep in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a. It's not a big. Pl- it's like a student flat. But there are additional rooms from time to time that aren't part of the flight deck. But when do we get to see them? On Who Back When, we are currently in uh, Pertwee times, and we still haven't seen any, I think. I, I think I remember the Doctor lying down in an, like, in, an, in an anterior room of the TARDIS. Isn't that Edge of Discretion, though? It might be an Edge of Discretion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the same room where Susan suddenly picks up a pair of scissors and wants to kill oh. Ian Chesterton slash Chatterton. <laughs> Chesterfield? <laughs> Yeah, my point is, it was bigger on the inside. It was just the size of, like, let's say, a two-bed flat or something. Yeah. That in itself is already pretty impressive. You yeah. know, that's already bigger than, than a telephone box or a police box. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well done, Doctor. But it's only now that we have this enormous place, so it's very possible that Polly could have cleaned the whole place. Well, so you're saying that the TARDIS has grown. It literally has grown. So it started off the size of a two-bedroom house. I think it's... and gr- then And then grew to include infinite worlds like it does in matt smith's era i think it's grown in the sense that tv nowadays and just production well production values have grown like the audience a younger audience in particular is not going to be as impressed by a two-bed flat in a police box as uh, they may have been in the 60s so now you have to have infinite worlds in there but on top of that People are more experimental, and there's more ex- experience of science fiction in general. And there are production, there are means of production that enable you to show a TARDIS with vast libraries and swimming pools and everything in, in a way that you couldn't in the sixties. So now, as you have the means, why wouldn't you? I think it would have been possible in the sixties. You just set up an extra studio. <laughs> you just show a bigger room. It, it it would it would be quite easy. I think they just hadn't considered it at the time. Yeah, okay, so that would go hand in hand with the whole, like, they didn't have as much experience of doing sci-fi on TV. But there is also the Doctor's own attitude to consider. I mean, so we get a line in this episode about that, where he he says, this is the flight deck of the most powerful spacecraft in the world. That's true. Not... uh, A restaurant for the French. Not a restaurant for the French. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the flight deck of the most powerful space-time machine in the known universe, not a restaurant for the French. But that's the way the Doctor considers it. I mean, I guess he's still new to the TARDIS. He's still seeing it as a transport means. Yeah. Well, he also says, mo- like, oh, you're still calling it the ship. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. 
I like that we get to see the two TARDISes next to each other. So the yep. first TARDIS and the, at this point in time, last TARDIS. Latest TARDIS, let's say. Have you seen the new TARDIS? Yes. Yes, I have. With the distressed blue. Uh, yeah, you get to see the wood grain in a very different way. The The sign is a different color. The yeah. sign, the actual handle of the, what's it called? Like the, the, the phone bit of it. The yeah. little cabinet is on the other side. It opens to the other side. The windows are different. Yeah, it's probably a different size as well. At the top, it goes in. Have you seen that? Like right above the doors? Yeah. It goes in a little bit. It's actually beautiful. I really like it. I'm finding I'm paying more attention to TARDISes and TARDIS designs nowadays. What's your explanation for why the TARDIS is changing? Because it's stuck, right? So that's the reason it's a... Yeah, but it's changed so many times. Is that it's stuck. So why is it changing? I don't know. I mean, they didn't give any explanations for this the, well, in the, the la- beginning. Well, the last 11 times they haven't given <laughs> any explanations. Well, there haven't it. been 11 different designs as far no, as No, that, that's true. They haven't given any explanations so far in our uh, reviews of Classic Who. So Pertwee very clearly has a new TARDIS, for example. Yeah. And then, in in fact, he has two TARDISes. He goes through two of them. And no one ever talks about it. It's just never dis- explained. I think later on, when we get to Tom Baker, he's going to have the, the Newberry box. The Barry Newberry from 1976 box. Uh, and it looks quite different. And I think at that point, maybe Tom Baker's going to go, oh, I'm not the only one who's gone through a regeneration, because that's what Tom Baker sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then, it, I don't know, I will get some some line, I suspect. But no, I, I don't know. They did the same thing, by the way, with the interior of the TARDIS now, as we got with, um, was it Eccleston to Tennant? No, Tennant to Matt Smith. That's what it was. Right. They're like, wait, new showrunner, fuck it, let's destroy it. <laughs> You know, yeah. Presumably, the TARDIS is now going to have to heal and rebuild itself very similarly to how it did for Matt Smith yeah. when he landed in Amy Pond's place. It's like, oh well, it takes a while. We're now going to have to reboot. Basically, starts cooking. Yeah, and then it looks completely different afterwards. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going to happen now. Like, there's a new showrunner. He's got a new doctor. He's got a, got a new set of companions. He's gonna want a new TARDIS. Do you not think so? Yeah, I, I guess so. No, I understand it from the TV production company's point of view. Yeah. I'm, I'm but so- narratively, it works out as well. You had a theory about that, or you had read a theory about the TARDIS, though, which you mentioned before we pressed record tonight. Oh, yeah, I, I looked into it. It's not true. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the worst. For the record, you had read that... That they were going to get rid of the police telephone box Clearly not going to happen. Altogether. Clearly not going to happen. I think it would be the end of Doctor Who. Yeah. If they did do that. Absolutely. That's terrible. I don't think there'd be any coming back. You wouldn't have a show anymore. You'd have a time traveller. Exactly, yeah. You wouldn't have Doctor Who anymore. No, and, I mean, fine. Do that show as well, but, you know, don't call it Doctor Who. So, are we saying... the TARDIS is quite integral. Well, are we saying that that is what Doctor Who is? What, the TARDIS? Is the TARDIS, yeah. Well, it's a Doctor who travels around in a blue box change yes. that blue box to something else it's just yeah it's as you say it's, it's a time ju- travel it's just time travel yeah with incomplete rules yeah yeah uh, incoherent rules <laughs> i mean when they replaced the sonic screwdriver with the sonic sunglasses the sonic ray-bans yeah how did you feel about that i hated it i think everyone did i think we talked about this on the show as well right. did you like it you're nodding your head like uh, mm, I'd, i could dig it i'm not going as far as i i liked it i accepted it okay um, I wouldn't have liked to... I'd have preferred it if it hadn't replaced the sonic screwdriver. It had been an extra appendage he had. Which it was in this episode, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I agree. That's completely fine. I think it's fine for the Doctor to have new things at any time. I agree. 
I yeah, mean, yeah. he's a super clever guy, like who's got access to all types of technology. Absolutely, he's, build he a new have gadget. New things all the time. Completely okay. Do that, dude. But don't replace the Sonic. No, you need right. you need a Sonic screwdriver. Yeah. So now, if you if you can't replace one of his integral tools with something else, let's say, for example, replace his screwdriver with a pair of Ray Bans. You also cannot replace his mode of transport. With no, God, God, no. Yeah, I, so. Like, I'm glad the, the rumors were false. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Would you have stopped watching? No. No. But m- the ratings would have dropped. Yeah. Yeah. On the note of the sunglasses, by the way, what's browser history? I quite like that. Uh, okay, what do you presume he has been looking at? Oh, 100% porn. No, it's not porn. 100%. It, it's not porn. I mean, porn is the joke. Yeah. But the people look quite scared when they see some of the browser history it's not and it's not porn yeah. it's not porn scared no you've it's se- not you've porn. seen that look no. on people's faces when they've seen some of your browser history yeah it, and it's not sure. it's not that no because i don't save that in my browser history yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah all, no I, i'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding it's obviously not going to be yeah <laughs> I, i'm kidding I'm, it's obviously not going to be porn but it, it it's a fun joke i really like that so what else could be in his browser history oh. Maybe it's just something really mundane, and the embarrassment is how could this pseudo-immortal, how could he possibly, like, maybe he's Googling the Kardashians or something. It's just, like, that is truly embarrassing. I suppose, Deplorable. Yeah. He has gone down in our collective estimation. <laughs> there might be a little bit of nudie stuff. So who is it that's disgusted by his browser history? Who do we see that's, uh... Well, who's in there? It's really just shocked. Bill, is isn't it? Is it Bill that sees it? Well, his his previous self sees it. Yeah, but he, he, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what it is, which is a fun joke in itself, because yeah. he's so, like, he's pre-internet, and then, uh, which is How weird. How can he be pre-internet? How, exactly, which is ridiculous, yeah. But again, fourth wall, 60s, so he's this person, this timeless being from the 60s. <laughs> He's been somehow. a million years into the future, but he is somehow technologically limited yeah. to what we he, had in well, the Well, he somehow doesn't know anything that doesn't happen before 1966, but, exactly. but still can travel <laughs> anywhere. That's great. What else? Then we have Mark Gattis or Gatis, and he's not going to know what browser history is. No. Yeah. So it's just Bill. Is it only in this episode? I feel like we the browser history thing... Shows up before? Has shows up before. It sounds like, like a Bill Potts joke. A, as, a, as a joke. It yeah. sounds like a Bill Potts joke. Like, don't check my browser history. Yeah. I think it might be from the start of Bill Potts. Maybe. By the way, can I just say... I, I do really have like... a note which just says Bill Potts. Really? Yeah. I was about to say, I really like Bill Potts. Yeah, I really like Bill Potts. And I think it's sad that she only got one season. I agree. I don't think it's enough. No, and, I agree. And I also I think want to it's, see more of it's very sad that she was diluted by other characters as well. What, you're thinking Noddle? I am. I, Are you thinking Missy as well? Uh, no. No. I mean, I, okay. Obviously, like, an antagonist doesn't doesn't count. There's always an antagonist. Yeah. You always have a Davros or a Master or, sure, or but, whoever. Sure, but Missy and, and Doc, they had a different dynamic. Yeah, Mi- Missy is a huge personality. Yeah. I, in a way that... So you're mainly thinking Noddle. I am. You don't I, really I, like Nardole, do you? I, I'm quite disgusted with the introduction of Nardole. <laughs> Why? I think I think he's the laziest character I've seen in New Who. And I think the reason it's lazy is because yeah. he's purely expositional. Yeah. That's what. That's, well, uh, he's also that's just what I can fun. Tempt. I don't think he is fun. Well, I mean, he's there just. He, it's slapstick. He's there to be kind of the bumbly, but ultimately very clever chap. Mm, I I think. He made the whole of that series feel quite clunky for me. 
because I feel like he was stitching episodes together. I think it was being stitched together by the narrative of Nardole. I'm really going to have to rewatch this. Yeah, I, I, I really, <laughs> I really contempted him. Oh wow! Actually, yeah, that's harsh words. Yeah, very harsh. <laughs> I agree with you, though. I would have liked to have seen more of Bill Potts in yeah, general I'd... in this season and in general. Like, I would have wanted more seasons. Yeah, I think she was an interesting character, and I think there were lots of places left to go with her. They could have kept her on with a new Doctor. And the problem was because yeah, they could have done. And if be- if and they because hadn't they been had in... such a short time together, yeah. when we had that scene at the end where they meet up, yeah. They all meet together, so they have Nardole, they have Bill Potts, they have Clara. Yeah. I didn't feel very much when when Bill Potts is talking to the Doctor. But that's why they bring Clara in. It's like, well, here's the one that mattered. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a real shame. Do you remember Clara? Do you remember how great the Clara times were? Do you remember remember? how much more important she was to the show? Do you remember how the Doctor had an actual relationship with her and we got to see her on screen? Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that Clara's accent had changed? Because she was uh, young Victoria. Yeah. (laughs) In between. (laughs) Quite Uh, possibly. So what I thought in the two sentences Clara was speaking, was she sounded, although she did sound brummy in the original version of the show, she sounded incredibly brummy in in this version. So when she's saying goodbye to him, you stupid old man. Uh, So she's really, really hamming up the accent. I, I feel so. Because I, I maybe think, because think, she has been accentless for several, you know, shoots. Well, because she hasn't been, she hasn't been Clara for a long time. Okay, so on a, a somewhat related note, talking about Clara and then talking about Rose. Did you notice that they used the Rose theme in this episode? Mm-mm. The <laughs> that's a perfect soundbite, by the way. Uh, when when, <laughs> when did they use that? Whenever they needed shit to be mystical. They had the rose theme. I don't know if it's technically called, like, officially called the rose yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah, but I know, you I, know, know what I, mean. I know what you mean. Because they use the Clara theme when Clara shows up. Yeah. You get the ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> but then they have the rose theme without rose showing up in this. Yeah. That seemed very out of place to me. No, I, I didn't identify it as the rose theme. Okay, here's a soundbite from 38 minutes and 40 seconds in. Mm. Perhaps it's just some bloke wandering around putting everything right when it goes wrong. Well, that would be a nice story, wouldn't it? That would be the best. But the real world is not a fairy tale. Do you see what I mean? That's incredibly (laughs) rosy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember it's just like that time when Rose came? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All mystical and shit. (laughs) I bring life. Okay, so we we took you wouldn't have uh, necessarily have noticed this podcast land, but we took a teeny tiny vape break a moment ago, <laughs> and we brought up another symptom of not a lot goes on in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> namely the whole like well, so okay, hang on, let's summarize this, we, bullet point this episode. Yeah, Doctor meets Doctor. Doctor meets Doctor. They well, meet well, us. One guy shows up. They go, well, this can't be good. Did you send him here, Glass Monster? I did. We're gonna stop you. How? We're going to go Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got access to Google Chrome? Rusty does. (laughs) Can we Google it? No. Are you sure? No, all right, go on then. (laughs) They Google. Done. (laughs) Glass Monster shows up. Well, you better put him back where he was before. (laughs) Yeah, all right then. (laughs) Go back in time. Put him back. The end. Yeah, I think think that's a fair summary. Yeah. 
So that's that's the episode in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say in a nutcase. The, <laughs> the doctors visited a Dalek. Is really all that happened, and that uh, the glass monster always exists. I yeah. mean, this happened in what was it? Was it the year four million? And something. Yeah. The glass from monster new, itself from is from new, 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 new Earth. Yeah, from the 5 million and like 32. In fact, a few, the next note in my list after let's Google the glass monster, which I put in just now. Uh, the next note is why haven't we evolved in the year 5 billion? Oh, sorry, billion, not million. Billion. 5 billion. Uh, unless I wrote that incorrectly. Why have we not evolved in the year 5? Like even 5 million. Why do we still have hair? Why do we still look like humans? I would expect us to be half computerized. We'd look like the greys in X Files, basically. In I'm not sure that's billion. how evolution works. Well, isn't it like, well, we we're not going to have hair anymore anyway. Um, we're getting less and less hair. I mean, if you think about by it, the millennium. But why would having less hair millennium maybe wrong be um, like in evolutionary terms beneficial? So why would you stop having hair? Like, well, well, it's why, not that we why would people who had less hair procreate more than it's not people necessarily who had more hair? It's not necessarily that it's like it's beneficial. It's that it's no longer essential. Right. So we had hair before because it protected us from the cold. We had fur, effectively, and now we no longer need that, so we have less of it. And if you go to the year 5 billion and 12 or whatever it was, I'm going to assume everyone's bald. We have no more hair. We're probably going to have, like, super long fingers that are good for typing. Or maybe we won't even have that because everyone's telepathic at this point. Like, either way, we're not going to look the way we look now. I don't know. I think technology, to some extent, negates evolution. Oh. A little. <laughs> oh, wait. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. What's the episode? <sighs> Shitballs. They go to the future. It's the end of the earth. Oh, yeah. They're about to... They meet the master. Are we... To- oh, okay. I thought you were in Eccleston, end of the earth. No, it's Tennant, and he meets the master, and, uh, like, future... Oh, it's human- the end of the universe, you mean? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the end, end of, of time. Oh, it is, isn't the it? The end of time. The end of time. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so, so humans there, most of them anyway, like the future humans, they have pointy teeth, and they've got weird, like, facial say, tattoos and stuff. I wouldn't say most of them. Like, the ones who are living inside of the master's compound. Although, he doesn't know he's the master. But yeah. the ones who live inside the compound... Oh, they're fine, they're, aren't they? they're perfectly normal humans. It's only the people who live outside of the compound That's who have true. turned into weird monster-type things. That's true, but the ones who are perfectly normal humans, they're then later on turned into toclophane. Yes. So the only humans that survive at that point are the weird Mad Max guys. Yeah, but time's ending, so nobody survived. Oh, right. You're right. Okay, but so when yes, is that? They, when is that? They were. It, they mu- there must have come a point where they were the only survivors. You're right. So yeah. after they go away in the spaceship. So presumably that's like way... And they go and become the toclophane. Okay. And that's presumably way later. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so some, sometime between the year five billion or million. <laughs> bi- I, I wrote billion, so maybe I... Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. say five billion. I, I, I can believe it. Okay. So here's what's happening. We're right now, like, just you and me, pair of dudes speaking into microphones. Fast forward five billion years, give or take, 2017. And then we're now still two dudes speaking into microphones, except we also have holograms. Mm. Fast forward a teeny tiny bit, just like a, a smidge. We're now living in glass monsters. Fast forward a whole bunch of time. We're We've now li- filed down our teeth and we're Mad Max morons. We're not living 
in glass no, monsters but we in like, that time. <laughs> we, we are like categorizing all people who have lived. <laughs> <laughs> glass monsters before or after Mad Max? Glass monsters. Yep. Why has this not come up before? <laughs> they should constantly... Ju- they the they t- should always be. We should be should bumping into be. glass monsters or the, every time someone died on Doctor Who, there should have been a glass monster there. Why is he surprised? <laughs> This is something like that by definition always exists. They're categorizing every person Everyone. who has ever existed. Oh wait, question. Yeah. Every human or every living, living thing? Every living thing. What so like a, a chestnut growing <laughs> on a tree? <laughs> a slug. <laughs> they've recorded the time of its falling from the tree to the ground. Not just that, they've made a copy of it. In case that it glass. <laughs> in, in case somebody wants to bring up a chestnut. There is a perfect replica of everything that ever was. <laughs> Just like growing exponentially. This is the end of the and earth. And how are they defining? Oh, the universe. Okay, so if they're in the year five billion, yeah. how are they defining humans? So when the human yeah. race new, spreads out across the galaxy, We have new, 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 new humans Starts having point, right? really sexy interracial stuff. Yeah. You know, are those humans? Are, is mm. that being recorded? It's a real dilemma I'm for the glass people. Tails. Yeah? Yeah. Sharpened teeth, not so much. So when those furry tails. when those people die, yeah, like outside that compound, yeah, are they being a glass well, monster showing up? I guess so. Just in case you want to hear their testimony, I guess so. Hey, <laughs> Mad Max guy, <laughs> got anything to What's say? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Why discriminate? I just feel like with the glass monsters, <laughs> yeah. this is a fairly large concept to introduce this late in the show. Huge. Yeah. Huge. It's a real game changer, actually. <laughs> it changes the whole Everything. universe. Because the glass monsters are more powerful than the Doctor. Certainly. Yeah. I more mean, powerful than Davros. More they, powerful than anything. They travel through time, yeah. and they know when absolutely everything ever lives and dies. Yeah, that's right. Basically, so, they're omniscient. Okay, so let's go back in the Wait, episode. Wait, even in their future? So to the moment yeah. when they show the Doctor his past life. So, that, well, his past lives. Yeah. So they bring forward 11 bubbles that have Doctors inside of them. Do you think they've got copies of the Doctors? Is that weird? Well, that's, that's what it seems to be. Because I don't think so. Because he hasn't died yet. No, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. That's why they don't have copies in, of it, but they those, know exactly. In those about, moments, yeah. they, he hasn't died. Yeah. But they have information on him. Yeah. They, but, can, they can show him what's been happening. Yeah, so they are omniscient. They know yeah, everything, absolutely. not only about yeah, totally. when you die, but they know everything that you did in your life. Exactly. Okay, so he is, that is one... Unless they've just been recording him specifically, but I can't see why that would be. No. That being said, I'm glad that you brought this up, though, because even though there are a number of things in this episode that, from a, a really boring, stiff douchey point of view I would like to pick apart and criticise. I mean, in general, I like this episode very much. But aside from those myriad points, which we have already discussed, many of them anyway, just the logical inconsistencies, there are really only two things in this episode that are just complete WTF moments for me. (laughs) And this is one of them. Here's what I've written. The, here, behold, a montage of all the Doctors to date. Also, why isn't the 13th Doctor among them? Because wouldn't they know about the 13th Doctor? I am so sick and tired of these montages. Yeah, I was going back to the day of the Doctor, when at the end of the episode they present all of the Doctors. Or actually, in fact, when they get all of the Doctors to surround um, Gallifrey. I like that. Take it out. I loved it. It was great. I like that scene, but I don't want... Why are future Doctors not there? 
And why have they invited Capaldi only as the only future Doctor that they are bringing in? It, it doesn't maybe make that's a part, lot of sense. Well, maybe that's also the sort of fourth wall element of it. Even though what you could do is you could have just but hundreds of people in the crowds and you only recognize 11 or 12 faces, mm. right? And the others are maybe like shrouded in whatever, shadow, clouds, you know, steam, <laughs> big and sexy. You could have hundreds of people there, and then the audience would go, oh, I guess there there are going to be hundreds of doctors. But that would be a spoiler, and no, maybe it's part of the whole fourth wall thing of, like, well, I mean, you, you audience, you know this is just a TV show, and you know that we haven't cast the next Doctor yet, so... What- and you know that we're not shutting Doctor Who down. Exactly, so what do you expect us to do? Yeah. But that's not my point. My point is I'm sick and tired of these montages. We have on a number of occasions seen, like, oh, well, let's see... Clips from famous episodes or serials of all the prior incarnations of the Doctor. Let's just have this montage, and that will then describe to a third party, someone who is not the Doctor, or at least not the latest Doctor in this case, who the Doctor is. Here, behold, a best-of compilation of Doctor Who since 1963. Surprise, surprise, some of the footage is going to be black and white. And it's... I, I don't want to see that anymore. I, I've seen it so many times. And the bubble thing your, was not as what, nice. What is your problem with it? Is it just like, because it's reveling in its own glory? No, is it's just, it's super cheesy. Yeah. It is mega that's cheesy. That's what makes it cheesy. The fact it is just masturbating over itself. It's just like, oh, that's not my problem with it. My problem is just, we've seen it before. And there's an added element of here, actual footage from the TV show that you're watching. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's recyclable content. Yeah, you can do better than that. Yeah. I think so. In fact, you did better than that. In the episode Rose, the Eccleston first episode of the 2005 revival, we get to see someone going through like this photo. What's his name? The guy who has his like weird bang shed. The guy who's the conspiracy theorist of like, oh, well, the the doctor has had many faces and so on. Rose and uh, Mickey go to this dude who... His wife, completely okay with this dude, her husband, bringing a strange couple into his shed. In the middle of the... I'm sure it's fine. He's just taking them into his bang shed. And then he goes through this, uh, like, collage of pictures. And they've been photoshopped. And it's like, oh, here's Eccleston. They're all of Eccleston, though. They're not... No, there are, like, there are drawings of, this looks like Sylvester McCoy. This looks like Paul McGann. I remember Paul McGann definitely being in there. And at some point, I think he said like, he's had many faces. And yes, there are like there are photos of Eccleston at JFK's assassination and so on. Yeah, but that's the one I remember. Okay, but in in general, that's a better way of doing it, isn't it? Like here's William Hartnell on the like the side of the first moon landing. He's on the moon. Here's uh, Patrick Troughton. What's he doing in Uganda? You know, like w- w- what's going on? And then maybe someone could just go like, "Those are just two different dudes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in fairness, he's on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, how would you like to have seen this presented? Like this that. Case? Like that. They what, could, what, so the glass monster comes down the steps, and it's like, okay, yeah. I've made a photo album. Come into my shed. <laughs> of all of your greatest moments. His wife, the glass monster's wife, comes around, or her wife, sorry, comes around and goes, would you like some tea while, while you go into the bang shed with my partner, glass monster? No, I, I would like to see new material. 
And I and and also the glass monster doesn't know that much, so it doesn't have much of a conception of time. Because when Hartnell walks out, yeah, they call him the Doctor of War. Yeah, so they're not aware that he's still in his original car- incarnation. They're calling him the Doctor of War. Yeah, that's weird. He hasn't been to war yet. That's true. And they don't seem to be aware of that. Mm. In fact, they don't seem to make very much differentiation between, between them, between the two of them. No, maybe to uh, despite them being separated by what a thousand years. Yeah. And the whole Doctor of War thing, I mean, that's referring to a specific action. Yeah, it's true. Oh, I don't know. Nonsense. Dude, I, have, <laughs> I have no explanation for it. But yeah, so that's my first... Quibble. What the shit moment. Do you know what my second one is? Go on. It's at the very end. So I'm sorry, I'm jumping straight to the end. Okay. You may never tell them your name. They oh, would never understand the it. children. But the children. <laughs> the children would understand it, but only if their heart's in the right place and if the stars are properly aligned, then the children. Yes. Tell the children. Tell the children your name. <laughs> Tell the children your name. No one else but the children. <laughs> the children will know. And again, we're back to the 70s BBC. <laughs> As a proponent of kids on film being kept to a minimum <laughs> and always being CGI'd when they are allowed <laughs> into a narrative, I hope that this wasn't a request from the next showrunner. You know, like, pop this into the final soliloquy because I've got plans. What, for the children? Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain fear. I have a fear of the next season being, like, like having a lot of kids Very in it. childish. Yeah, and having, as in, with kids playing an integral part of it. Like, kids, but only kids with the heart in the right place, mind you. Knowing the Doctor's name and being allowed to know oh, his name. no. That might happen. No, surely not. But it seems so out they'll, of place here. They'll never tell us the Doctor's name. Dude, Capaldi didn't give it would be two... Br- about kids uh, why he would he say Remember it now the, the trees episode oh there is the trees episode. there are a lot of kids in that <sighs> that's true and he's like he's delightfully awkward with them oh as well. and he does take what's her face to the moon yes clara's yes, separately. S- student yeah you're right actually that separately. is a good point okay i take it back then so Again, he did... he's very awkward with her <laughs> yeah so i take it back he did give at least two shits about kids yeah but it seems so completely out of place like why would that be the last thing that he says We've never heard of this before. This is a new thing. As far as I'm aware, in Classic Who, post-Pertwee, pre-Eccleston, or pre-McGann, there was never any mention of, no, kids can hear your name, but only if they're good kids. Isn't it that the uh, children can understand his name, as opposed to they can hear it? Oh yeah, they can understand his name. So they can understand his name. Like, other people wouldn't know what to do with it. On a good day, if the wind's blowing in the right direction, the children... They can understand If the name. stars are properly aligned. If the stars are properly aligned. And they have their hearts in the right place. I'm trying to think of any reason children would be able to understand his name. I mean, it's um, it's a sound. It's a, it's a symbol. Yeah. Well, so presumably well, it's try- Gallifreyan, right? Yeah, I mean, we've seen his name in Gallifreyan. Yeah. We haven't heard his name pronounced in any way. It would be ruinous to the show to declare his name. Yeah. I mean, even at Trenzalore, we don't get to hear his name. Exactly. And there's no mention of children at Trenzalore. Exactly. This is a new but it thing. Is, it is pronounceable, his name. Yeah, like, surely. Presumably, it's just a sound, but we can't understand but it. But maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's like that joke in the Outer Limits episode where it's the end of the world. Have you seen this thing? No. There's, there's an episode, I want to say it's Outer Limits, not Twilight Zone. I think it's Outer Limits. There's a joke that basically brings about the end of the world, because when you hear this joke, it's like you just go crazy. 
Oh, I've seen that. And you want to, t- it's basically like a zombie apocalypse type thing because you want to tell someone else the joke. You want to share this joke with people and, and everyone just goes completely crazy. Yeah. It's a fantastic episode. Bing bong, future punk in here. Actually, I was thinking of a Twilight Zone episode called Need to Know. All right, back to the show. Bing bong. Maybe that's the thing. Like, if you hear the Doctor's name, it's just too overpowering. It's too much for you. Well, River Song. But if you're a kid, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so maybe she's the exception that proves it. And presumably, if you're Gallifrey, and you would understand the name. There's nothing to say that... The Master knows his name. That's true. Yeah. There's nothing to say that either of those people understood his name. Oh, that's true. There's a difference between... So maybe there's like a secret to his name or something. Like there's some secret meaning to it or whatever. But the whole point of like, hey, if you're on Santa's good list and you're a child, then you will be great with this name. Like it will just really resonate. I think... This is new and I don't like it. As I was watching it, I decided that he was just really tired and waffling. (laughs) (laughs) It It was just nonsense. Just like, yeah, the the children, the children, they get it. Oh, like, no. no, nobody else gets you, man, but the children, sometimes when the stars are <laughs> lined, and yeah, and they're going north, and it's a Tuesday, sometimes the children, they they can hear you. I'm a, I'm a really stable genius, and... Uh... <laughs> Two yeah. things I've always been known for. <laughs> <laughs> One, I'm very stable, and uh, two, I am a genius. <laughs> that was incredible. That's fantastic. <laughs> Should we talk about the end? The end end with Jodie Whittaker, and actually talk about Jodie Whittaker a little Let's. bit. How do you feel about Jodie Whittaker? The, those two words, like, and in general, like her demeanor, initial impression. Uh, she seemed jaunty. Yeah. Um, I've nothing against jaunty. Nor I. Uh, Matt Smith was very jaunty from, Indeed. from the get-go. And yeah. as you know, I enjoyed him greatly. You did. So did I. So um, do I. I, t- I mean, I wonder if we're going back there. The, the shots I've seen of Jodie Whittaker and her outfit um, and her sidekicks yeah. make it seem like it's going to be quite a happy-go-lucky affair. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to get Dark Doctor. I, I don't think so either. Like Dark Dramatic Doctor. I, I enjoy, like, the atmospheric TARDIS. Is- the um, atmospheric TARDIS? Yeah, I mean, it's, men- mean? it's mentioned in this episode, so uh, oh. when uh, Capaldi yeah. is talking about like, yeah, no, the, the lighting, it's the meant to interior, be like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's atmospheric, yeah. And, yeah. I think... Uh, so do you think we're going to get, like, more of a playful... I think it'll be more playful. Legoland TARDIS a la Matt Smith? Yeah, okay. I, d- I do. I That's think, very I think it's going to be a bright, colourful... Yeah. I, I would not be surprised at all, given her outfit. Yeah. Yeah. The Mork and Mindy outfit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, you know what? Here's another note of mine. And I noticed this only today yeah, because I made a, a Vindex icon of uh, Jodie Whittaker uh, for the website. Nice. And I looked at that promo still of her in front of the TARDIS with the Mork and Mindy outfit. Did you notice she has a whole bunch of earrings? I didn't. Like a whole bunch of them. Like a mess of earrings up here, whatever that's called. I can't remember what that's called. <laughs> a mess of earrings. Yeah, like a, you know, up here. There are like four earrings there. A constellation of earrings? Uh, a or murder a- of earrings. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of them. Right. Made me think like, a cool. <laughs> what, she's like a pirate doctor? No, I don't. She's just <laughs> a really kind. cool doctor. She's got pierced ears. Well, she's like a hippie doctor. Yeah. I, I mean, what are the pierced ears signifying to you? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe a little punk rock, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. But it, it, it's, in, fair, it's fairly commonplace these days. I guess in, so. In fairness. It, not for the Doctor, though. 
So it's very no, new. I don't mind. I'm not saying picking this up as a negative. I'm literally picking this, this up as a, holy shit, I didn't notice this until well, just the now. Thi- the thing about a whole bunch of pierced ears is yeah. that it's a choice. A whole bunch of pierced ears? That's right. <laughs> Every now and then she takes off her coat and she's got like 17 ears on her upper well, arm. They're not, all pierced. It's not something you get regenerated with, is it? That's it's that, thing, it's I know. I thought about that. Exactly. Yeah. I think she so just goes point, nuts at, at one some point. point like, she's going to make a conscious choice. Pierce it all. Yeah. Pierce everything. But uh, <laughs> the doctor could have done this beforehand. Get your head under the gutter, podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> why Why has the doctor never pierced before? I don't know. The doctor has a tattoo. Yes. Well, Perd, we has a tattoo. Anyway, back to Jodie Whittaker. I agree. I, I, she seems very playful. Um, she seemed very happy to regenerate into Jodie Whittaker, which yes. I really liked. Like, yes. It was a nice, like, oh, brilliant. Rather than... Yeah, still got kidneys, you know. Oh, fuck, my tonsils grew back out. Again, I really enjoyed the Capaldi regeneration. Yeah, they're pretty good. But if you have that too often, then it becomes... Where he was really unhappy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, immediately irate. Yeah. (laughs) And I really enjoyed that regeneration for the uh, instantaneous nature of it. Wait, this one? No, the Capaldi. Into Capaldi, okay. Smith into Capaldi because yeah. obviously it takes a load of time and yeah. then suddenly bam boom he's the, he's the doctor yeah bam yeah <laughs> yeah and it's it's really scary <laughs> it is quite yeah. and it, it's it's really quite a big imposition yeah like he's in your face he's there with those huge eyebrows it's great yeah and <laughs> quite a, confused until he gets really angry yeah, yeah. whereas uh, this regeneration was more sort of soft it was a little it was a bit tenanty. Uh, it was a bit like beginning of tenant. I guess so. Very jovial, very sorry, sort of happy to be where he was, slash, in this case, where she was. Uh, uh, that w- jovial wasn't the point I was making, actually. It's, okay. It's more sort of ethereal. It, it's like um, th- there's like slow motion replays and <laughs> uh, sort of like stuff in the air and uh, it's all steamy and it's... <laughs> Oh, you mean the the general yeah, regeneration? Yeah, the, the actual tone of the regeneration. Okay, I meant it, it her disposition very, afterwards. Oh no, I, yeah, I mean she, as I said, very jaunty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the whole thing has a very jaunty, colourful feel to it. So, how do you feel about the, or what are your thoughts about the what happens next? Like the massive cliffhanger. Yeah, I mean, I think the doctor out of the may TARDIS. survive this fall. I'm going to assume so. <laughs> I think there's a good chance of survival. TARDIS yeah. all, does the TARDIS explode? Uh, there's an explosion comes out of the TARDIS. Out of the, the TARDIS. TARDIS doesn't explode. I slowed this down. There's like a huge fire coming from the TARDIS. It's not, the TARDIS doesn't explode. Okay. You slowed it down. I did. Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's on iPlayer. Slow it down. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it can be done. And if you save the file... And uh, play it in VLC. You can uh, <laughs> you can do, do it at any speed you like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go for it. Treat yourself. Freeze frame. Yeah. <laughs> um. I okay. don't. In answer to your question, I don't really know what's ahead. Okay. Um. I think it it could be amazing. Like we're going to get a very different type of show. Do you know uh, when it's returning? Uh. Yes. It's ages. Is it like August? Yeah. Or it's like it's like August. Crap. One, I need it now. I need a fix. One thing does frighten me. What's and, that? And I, you know, I think I could be turned around on this, but the idea of Bradley Walsh in Doctor Who does frighten me a bit. Well, 
Miriam and I quite regularly watch The Chase. <laughs> yes. Like, it's just on in the background. S- I have seen The it's Chase. It's just on in the background. Do not judge me. Does this seem <laughs> like the sort of person you would like in Doctor Who? Like, uh, if you had a choice of all people. If I had a choice of all people? Yeah. Uh, he probably wouldn't be my first choice. I think I'll say quite that. an unlikely choice. Yeah, but I reckon he'll do a good job. I can see him being, like, the Magoo character. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> I can, I can, I can too. I can see he him can, being the next Matt Lucas. I was going to say he could be I, the next Nardo, which I think is an absolutely unnecessary character. Yeah, yeah. I, w- uh, I want to see a return to a basic setup of, of sidekicks. But there are. I've I, seen. I, a, I don't mind multiple sidekicks. I mean, Rory and Amy was great, and yeah. actually, Doctor Who has a long history of multiple sidekicks. Yeah, that's that's, true. that's fine. Sure. I've seen a uh, a promo still of Jodie Whittaker with three. No less than three mm-hmm. companions. I think Bradley Walsh is. I think Walsh is going to be an ancillary one. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the constant one. And I think the other two, I don't know if they're a couple or if they're friends or if whatever they are, they're going to be either the Clara and Pink or the Ben and Polly to Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Yeah. And Walsh is going to be. I don't know. Maybe he's okay. So he's not the right actor for it. But I, do you know what I really want? What I want the return of the monk. I can see the monk. Why? Why would? Because the why would he fit that bill? Age, just that, right? Age and maybe appearance. But oh, that's too. I think that's wanting, wishing too much. Like as I say, it's it's a worry at this stage. <laughs> I'm not saying it will work out badly. I can't see him fitting the role. Uh, the chase is on. The chase. The chase is on for Bradley. <laughs> We were uh, just discussing the Lethbridge Stewart moment. Yeah. Uh, when we discover Mark Gattis, Gatus. Yes. Uh, well, however you say his name. Um, when it's revealed he is a Lethbridge Stewart, for me, it felt unnecessary. It felt. A little bit twee. Twee? Twee. It, it was twee is the word. Twee was the word I used. We may have said this a moment ago, except, well, Jack may have said this just a moment ago, and I wasn't recording. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I, fe- I felt uh, it was a little bit forced and yeah. a little bit unnecessary. It was like ham-fisting some Doctor Who narrative back into a storyline where no Doctor Who narrative existed. So let's make this about the Lethbridge Stewarts and their dynasty and uh, revisiting the family and being part of Doctor Who culture. I just felt the whole thing felt a little bit forced. I think if you hadn't said anything, leave out the whole looking on my family every now and then, and leave out the whole, my name is, uh, uh, hang on, I've written it down, Captain Archibald Hamish Stewart. I think the Archibald Hamish was just dramatic suspense yeah. before I say the words Lethbridge Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Does he say Lethbridge Stewart or is it just Stewart? No, it's Lethbridge Stewart. It's Lethbridge Stewart, okay. Just to really drive it home. Really, really drive it home. Ram it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could have omitted all of that and then had fan theories about, wait, hang on, he's in the military, he has a moustache, <laughs> he's about the right age, This he could be, and maybe he mentions his son and that's it. Like, you don't yeah. give him a name. And then fan theories are going to be, wait, hang on, is he Bagel's dad? And then also maybe the BBC could, you know, like just inseminate some of these rumours. You know, just, just drop a few hints here and there. Maybe there could be a novel at one point that goes, yeah, you know what, yeah, fuck it. That was, that was Bagel's dad. <laughs> <laughs>
I just don't, uh, as we discussed right at the start of this podcast, yeah. I don't know why he needs to be a Lethbridge Stewart. He doesn't. I don't, I mean, there, there's a lot of that in this episode. I don't know why it needs to be this way. It Do seems, you think maybe... It seems like a lot, could it be far that, too many coincidences. Well, yeah, but the, but the whole and thing is And this is just one another one. Yeah, but this this one is just like a, a little nugget they've squeezed out right at the end. Hot. Just like, here's an extra little... Right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was a left bridge Stuart. Yeah, cool. Could um, it be? Could it be? Oh, oh yeah. By let, the way, let's, let's go get to the Susan. new doctor. Yeah. Let's get to the new doctor. Yeah. Could it be that the moth just really wanted to have a few more of these before he he left? What a few like, more what? A few more Doctor Who nods. Like it would be the equivalent of going down a corridor in in the TARDIS, and there are just all these artifacts from prior <laughs> serials. Like oh. Here's a Cyberman arm, and oh, here's uh, the scarf, and here's the whatever, you know. Oh, this shirt has, uh, I don't know, it's got, like, question marks on the collar. You know, like, all these things. The equivalent of that being, yeah, right in the Lethbridge Stewart. It's the Star Wars syndrome of everyone's related, you well, know. Because you think he wants to be more a part of the Doctor Who dynasty story. Well, so he already he, is. He want, yeah, what, he Moff, already, you mean? Yeah, of course, he already is. Moff is but, a legend. But you think he wants to write more of the Lethbridge-Stewart family history, for example, no. so that he's a bigger part of the Doctor well, Who it's like, oh, well, hang on, I'm leaving. Universe. I've got to go out with a bang. I want to do everything. I'm running in a Dalek for no reason whatsoever. I could have, <laughs> we could have replaced the whole Rusty sequence with Doc goes to a library or, you know, yeah. Doc, wait, hang on, here's a, here's a thought. Doc travels to the year five billion. Oh, maybe Doc could just ask the glass monster. Hi, who are you? I'm glass monster. Yeah, cool. I think done. I think the function of Rusty, yeah, was the same as the function of Clara. Was the same as the function of every other character that he meets at the end of the episode, it, which wh- is just like here's what happened in the previous three seasons. Also, Don't you remember how great it was? Yeah, do you remember Rusty? And in a sense, to bookend it. Yeah. Rusty is very close to the beginning. Into the Dalek is like the second or third episode, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's a very... Uh, actually, of Capaldi, I mean. Yeah, it's quite early on in Capaldi. Yeah. So, yeah, third maybe. So, yeah, let's let's end on that as well. Yeah. Sure, fine. Clara was there in the beginning. It has We're a beautiful poetic symmetry, yeah. I guess. I believe it's what George Lucas referred to as, it rhymes. <laughs> And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. All right, let's call it a day. If you had to rate this on a scale from uh, 0.0 to 5.0, what would you give it? Good question. Uh, I'd first like to say I really enjoyed this episode. Hence, I watched it twice in two days. Yeah. It, it was it was very rewatchable. It was. But as we said on the third reviewing of it, there isn't that much content. There's a lot of razzmatazz, yeah, but not very much going on. It's not it's not a truly intricate Doctor Who storyline. And I do feel like some of the plot points are just shat out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Having said that, um I really like Capaldi as a doctor. Um I think it I think it was a good send-off. I enjoyed the leaving speech. Mm-hmm. Um and I like the fact that they involved Hartnell and I thought it was interesting seeing the progression between the two. So it really got me thinking. So on that basis, I'm just thinking back to my previous ratings where this could go. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I know, yeah. stretching back a long way. <laughs> I'm going to give this a 3.4 out of 5. 3.4, eh? Which is pretty good. Hey, that's a, yeah, that's that's a good, good rating. Yeah, I'm thereabouts as well. 
It's a good episode. It's a worthy send-off. Excessive mentions of children notwithstanding, a respectable concluding soliloquy from Capaldi. Really sad to see him go, but given that in the very beginning, do you remember when you and I sat down and we watched the the announcement, whatever it was called, the like... Like it was yesterday. The special, hey, who's the next doctor going to be? Oh, it's this dude. And he came out and he was holding his lapels like he was Hartnell and both of us just mm-hmm. went, oh, wow. He's back. He, he's back and he's grumpy, <laughs> grumpier than ever. It's very appropriate for him to be there with, with Hartnell. Yeah, Naked Daleks. Oh, wait, hang on. Seeing the old TARDIS. We didn't talk about that, but seeing the old TARDIS. We didn't talk about Naked Daleks either. No. I mean, it's just a one-liner. It's just a one-liner, yeah. I mean, the the, the TARDIS, the old TARDIS is formidable. I love seeing it. Mm. Hartnell, not Hartnell. <laughs> What's his name? Bradley. Bradley. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah They excellent. did a good job of excellent. combining classic and new. And first impression of Jodie Whittaker, very positive. For the rest of whatever I may think of this, please consult the prior, say, roughly hour and a half. I'm giving this a three point, go a little bit higher, three point, three point eight. Ooh. Yeah, three point eight. That's actually, that's pretty high. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I'd have to look at the rest of your ratings to know how high that was, but I mean, yeah. that, that's pretty good. Oh, wait, hang on. Now I can't, you know what? If you think of something on IMDb. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Being 3.8. You know what? Can I take high. it back? Can I take it back? Can I change it? No. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> now I kind of want to give it a higher score. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of want to like give ba- it a higher score. Based on what? Based on, I mean, yeah, the, very little happens in this. Oh, you know what? I was going to yeah, give that, it a... Yeah, that's uh, my problem. That's my problem now as well. Oh, shit. I was going to give it a four, like a straight 4.0. I'm going to give it a 3.9. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, 3.9. There you go. Do we have any listener minis? No, we don't, because we never told anyone that we were recording this review. <laughs> I'm not sure we knew. No, we didn't know no. either. I uh, should mention at this point, it is 10 past 2 a.m. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Good work. <laughs> Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Bing bong, future punk in here, and I am <laughs> I am joined by future Minimo and future Drew. Bing bong. Hello. <laughs> we did, in fact, receive a listener mini for this. Uh, this one comes from Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton, who has sent in far more than the allotted 250 words. So we're going to read roughly 250 words. And for the mini review in its full splendor, please go to whobackwhen.com. So starting off, Trenton says, I appreciate that the scene recreations from the 10th planet were done really well, especially the far from being all over bit. I know they did more scene recreations, but I'm glad they were cut. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I think all we needed were the scenes from the actual series, the transition from Hartnell to Bradley, the reason why he's caught up in the mess with 12 and the moments before he regenerates. The regeneration scene itself was wonderfully done. Peter's final speech to the next Doctor was so well done and I almost cried. Stephen Moffat does know how to write good speeches slash regeneration scenes, time of the Doctor comes to mind and the direction by Rachel Talalai was pitch perfect. The build to the reveal of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor was great, and then the TARDIS exploded. Of course, this means we'll be getting a new console room at some point, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. So, overall, what do I think of this story? Well, I'd say it did its job well. Sure, the first Doctor was not done well, and Hellbent's even more pointless now, but that's just a negative in a sea of positives. Peter was great, the direction was great, and the story was good too. It did what it needed to do, which was to give the 12th Doctor the send-off he deserved. I'll give this episode a 3.85 out of 5. Because I just can't decide between 3.8 and 3.9. Is that right, Trenton? <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what I did when we recorded this. 
Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's super duper weird. I started with 3.8 and then I changed my mind and went to 3.9. Trenton, that's a really, really good score. And it's a fantastic mini. Podcast Land, you absolutely need to read it in its full splendor. Go to whobackone.com and you can high five Trenton online as well. He is at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two S's. All right, back to the show. Bing bong. Uh, I am fairly drunk. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little tipsy as well. And also the coffee is kicking in. Yeah. Great timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you on Twitter and uh, do you want people to follow you? Um, I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome to try. I, I rarely tweet. I can't remember the last time I tweeted. Do you have an account? I have an account. Is it yeah. one too many mornings? At one too many mornings. At yeah. one too many mornings. You can say hello to me as well. I will high five you right back. I'm at Pongen. You know how to spell that, I think. If not, guess. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time, be rad and next into each other. Rock on. Ciao, and- ciao. Oh, no. No. No, you did it again. I did. I'm back. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. It's tradition. Okay, bye. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?